to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swell over there. Hey Nick, how you going, mate? I'm sleepy, Rob. I'm actually a bit tired. Actually, you know what? I'm in, I might just peace out. I might just bounce if that's okay with you, Rob. It's a bit late. Sure. So yeah, it, it it's night time. This is the first time in like since the coronavirus pandemic hit that we've recorded at night, Nick. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I think we're just too busy now. We're both extremely busy this week. This is the only time we could do it. Yeah. Who'd have thought, hey? My wife and kids miss me, Rob. But, you know, sometimes more important duties need to be fulfilled. Exactly, Nick. Like speaking Pod- to a microphone. Podcast always comes first. <laughs> That's And I've always said this. We've always said this. How are you, Rob? How's moving? Good? Very tiring. Yeah. You don't, you don't realize how dirty a house gets until you have to clean every square inch of it. Oh, oh it must be so tough. Just cleaning all day long. Did yeah, you did sucks. you get uh, work off for this week? Yeah, I took two days off because I was at uni. Oh yeah, yeah. No, masters don't. Real masters don't start uni until May though. <laughs> You're also very kindly assisting me and, and um, our friend in a witness examination competition at, at the law school tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I was sold. I was sold the world, and in reality, I've been. <laughs> Stitched off a bit. I made a great sales pitch, but it was a bit misleading. A bit. Partly because I actually didn't really know what Rob was supposed to do, but he just has to donate a few hours of his time. But you get to pretend to be a a witness and you have like a statement and it's like fun because they're like trying to grill you and you're kind of like going for your team. Okay, cool. I think it'll be fun, Rob. Should be fun, yeah. Yeah. I'm nervous though. I'm scared. Don't be scared. Or maybe lean into that. Maybe that'll be like your witnesses, like uh, pr- like your personality. Front and front and inmate number two, maybe. O- on edge. Maybe you can sprint out of the courtroom mid-trial. Cry. Yeah, cry on the stand. Maybe I will. Save that for the real one, though. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, Rob. A lot, of, a lot of news this week. Yeah, holy shit. What the fuck? It's been a busy week for everyone, it seems. Yeah. A lot of this centered on Canberra and specifically within Parliament House. Remember like a few months ago when we were like, yeah, nothing's happening in Australian politics. We're sorry we, we keep talking about US politics and shit, but nothing's happening. And it's just all hell's broken loose in the last three weeks. Yeah. I mean, you've made a very good point. It is a sitting. It is because of that we're having sitting weeks in Parliament, I think, partly. Yeah. Very important. I'll start with the international news, though. Let's hear it. Very significant. Third wave of COVID is spreading throughout Europe again. I believe they're linking it to something they're calling the Kent variety now of COVID. Germany, Italy, France, and Spain are in lockdown. Again, just makes us feel very lucky to be here in Australia and kind of amazed that it's still occurring in other countries. I think Germany's in its actually harshest lockdown it's ever experienced. Maybe since Hitler. Why are you grimacing? I don't know, just a really weird point. I think Germans don't like being... Don't like talking about Hitler too much, right? Maybe I'll edit it out, Rob. We'll see if it makes it past my robust editing standards, <laughs> which are uh, you know drawn up by me at one a.m. when I want to go to bed. Nice. The UK is not doing as badly. I understand because a lot of the UK is actually vaccinated now. I think last significant fifteen portion. million. 
Yeah, it's quite a lot of people. Yeah. So I think the vaccine is, is actually showing some ground there. It's impressive. Haven't heard much about Israel, to be honest. I think they're... <laughs> the whole population's Yeah, the whole population's vaccinated. I think they're doing fine. Speaking of, I heard on the radio over that Vietnam actually approved Russia's like Sputnik um, vaccine. <laughs> oh, the Sputnik vaccine. I'm not sure if it's called that, but I'm just going to call it that. Yes. I think Sputnik was actually a, like one of the first things ever launched into space, yep. actually. Move that to one the side, The Sputnik though. crisis. Of Remember course. that from modern history? I sure do. Yeah. Which is interesting, actually, because Vietnam's probably one of the best countries alongside New Zealand in actually dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, I remember when a while ago we sat down and looked at that data? Yeah. So interesting. So they only had like 2,000 cases and 35 deaths in a country with, I'd imagine, a population of like 80 million. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. I wonder how they are doing. They probably won't have much access to the vaccine, I imagine. Uh, but well, I know they've approved two. They've got Pfizer's and the Russian one now. Yeah, there's such a shortage of Pfizer though. Yeah. But... There are still over like 300 vaccine candidates that are awaiting approval across different jurisdictions. So there's way more vaccine candidates that could be approved. Um, yeah, wow. And who knows the kind of levels of success those vaccines could have and how easy they'll be to produce. So, Yeah, I think the ease of production is a big issue here. Yeah. And also like, like why the fuck does Israel have 100%, you know, I think it should be a little bit more even between countries, but the vaccine rollout's been very nationalist so far. Yeah. In the US, a lot of stuff happened. Joe Biden fell off Air Force One. He's fine. I'll, I'll just point people to one development. A Trump spokesperson apparently said last week, Trump will launch his own social media platform within the next few months that will upend the way mainstream social media operates in the United States and globally. And you, know, you can make a very small jump in thinking to, to see what that kind of means. I think it'll be a, a right-wing echo chamber, far right-wing echo chamber, right? Fun. Speaking of far right-wing echo chambers, also in the US today, there was another mass shooting. Yes, yes, it's um, a very good point. 10 dead, I think, Where, in Colorado. In Colorado, yeah. Terrible. Uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about uh, gun rights in the US, but I think every Australian holds the same opinion on that, to be honest. Just Why? Why yep. it, how many people have to die before we fucking deal with this shit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be another interesting challenge for the Biden administration, but I I believe they have their hands full already with a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Maybe in a second term. And coming back to home, terrible news uh, in New South Wales. Really horrible. The flooding, the freak weather. They've been experiencing a lot of people in Western Sydney and on the coast being evacuated tremendous economic damage unsure about the the figures on lives lost or people injured at the moment but i'm sure we'll know more about that after everything subsides because it's still happening this week so yeah, our absolutely. hearts go out to everyone there yeah absolutely nick i can't i don't think i can add to that one yeah um <laughs> and i think yeah we'll also wait to see uh any any links that people want to draw to this kind of freak weather pattern and the effects of climate change i think it's too soon to really comment on that but I think we will just see discussion about that. Yeah, we don't really know either how the Berejiklian government has handled this as well. Like, it's it's still qu- quite early in the whole flooding situation. So, we'll we'll probably give you more analysis on that in a few weeks' time. Yes. When it all calms down. But meanwhile, 
Man, some stuff has been kicking up. And you're, okay, Nick, let's do it. <laughs> we said last week, yeah, how does this keep getting worse and worse? We have to keep covering this. I mean, it, I didn't think it was possible, but the government is continues to dig itself into this hole, into the center of just political implosion. So, yeah, Nick, I couldn't agree more. This is unbelievable. We 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 made a joke last week, and it, how can it get worse? Why do we have to keep covering this? But we keep we keep on going, don't we? Yeah, I mean, and in this week, in many ways, just the, from yesterday and today, the stuff, the amount of stuff, has exponentially grown. Just all these distinct issues about how the government is mishandling this this women's issue, um, this this issue of sexual harassment and sexual assault in Parliament, but also across the nation and just the the cultural change that people uh, keep saying needs to happen and how the government has really terribly mishandled uh, its response to that and its action on that. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Couldn't Um, agree more. So we'll just take people through what's happened, the developments that have happened this week. So um, a big one that came out today, it's quite serious. Labor now claims that Scott Morrison misled Parliament last week by failing to disclose that an inquiry that his office launched into which which of his staffers uh, and when knew about the Brittany Higgins allegations, he said that that inquiry uh, had not delivered an update about when it was going to be finished last week. But in fact, two weeks ago, the inquiry was, inquiry was paused by his office and he knew that at the time and he didn't disclose that to Parliament. And and apparently, from I've heard from certain people that that is a quite a compelling argument that Scott Morrison misled the Parliament, which is quite a, quite an egregious uh, breach of the standing rules of Parliament. It's quite serious. Yeah, Nick. So I, I heard you tell me this before, the how egregious it is, and what will it actually mean. You, you know, you know much better about British parliamentarian rules than I, right? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so it's it's nothing criminal um, or anything. Uh, I think it is just a, a, a quite a um, a bad thing, you know, to happen. It's quite a shaming thing to happen to, a, especially a prime minister, yeah. let alone any any member. Yeah, okay. As far as I know, I don't actually know really, but I don't think there are many procedural things that could happen. Right, like they can't take away his his seat or anything. I just like to see him get like banished from parliament for like. You know, a couple of days. I think they, they, the fines and, and things can be applied. Great. And w- so that fine, where, where does that money go, Nick? How do you know? <laughs> I don't know. It probably goes back to the tax office, right? Yeah, it probably goes to some marginal seats. Yeah, back in. Um, sporting <laughs> facilities. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that would be quite egregious in terms of just what that would mean to the media in the country. Yeah. And the fact that it would have been unprecedented. <laughs> Essentially, not 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 an example that I can think of. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff, Nick. Hey? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, besides the standard of proving that he misled Parliament, the fact that he actually did that, regardless, is quite bad. When he just kind of refused to disclose information about an inquiry that he said was important and that he's been talking so much about, was actually halted by his office, and it turns out it was halted on advice from the federal police uh, who initially said they didn't provide that advice but later said they did it just it just looks so messy it does and it adds to this idea an idea that's actually supported by me and you Nick that I don't think Scott Morrison's actually committed to this issue and he's trying to deal with this issue like it's a political issue 
not the human emotional, you know, right issue that it should be. Yeah, and I think we will continue to keep speaking to that point because I think it's a it's a very good point that the government was was naive and quite badly misperceived how important this issue was to Australians. Absolutely, Nick. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll keep going though because there's a lot to get through. Yeah, yeah. Of the, course. Last night, Ten News broadcast evidence that coalition staffers were performing lewd sex acts in female coalition MPs' offices, which is you can you can Google the images; they've been pixelated. And Ten News does some discuss, you know, explains the context behind them, but it's just appalling. It's just repulsive. Yeah, they're pretty disturbing images. Unfortunately, and pretty disturbing descriptions of acts that that were yeah. done. And the, these coalition staffers were sharing this material between them in a kind of competition, a sick competition. And I don't know about you, Rob, but that's just you know it's reminiscent of things that your know, high school boys did in there when they were kind of you know in the younger years, just like or you know things like that, just like stupid boyish ideas of just being disgusting and abhorrent. Yeah. It seems like it's very it's very disrespectful, obviously, and it's a, it just reeks of a boys' club, really. Yeah, I think boys' club is the perfect term. It is such a boys' club thing. Yeah, it's just really gross, and like, it these are supposed to be parliamentarians. I know they're staffers in this case, but these people are supposed to be upholding, you know, community values and representing the community, right or right. And this kind of stuff is happening. Yeah, you wouldn't see this in corporate Australia. God no, God no, you would not. You would never see this in corporate Australia. And the fact that this is supposed to be the highest, you know, form of authority in the country, and and it's supposed to be in this building, and this stuff is happening is ridiculous. And yeah, it's abhorrent, Nick. And the government has not made things much better. I mean, you're seeing some good things from Simon Birmingham, who's you know one of the more sane. Uh, members of the coalition in my opinion saying that you know they're going to be immediately fired and that a lot of action needs to be taken which is i think you know everyone agrees they should be universally fired this morning though michelle landry uh, mp government mp nationals mp said that she felt bad for the staffer who was being questioned that he loved his job and it was a shame i'm speechless about that nick sorry and there's a great video this morning of Christi- Christina Keneally, the Labor MP, being put, having that statement put to her. And she says the same thing. She says, I'm speechless. And it's yeah. just, you know, everyone is. I can't yeah. believe it. So, yeah, once, once again, um, clearly the coalition isn't taking this problem seriously. And I'll keep making that point until they start taking it seriously. And it just to me as well, speaks to how they're not unified on this issue. And I think they're fragmented you know, in many more ways other than this, but especially in this. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. And there were other allegations that that 10 News report made that, for instance, staffers and coalition MPs were uh, hiring sex workers and engaging in sexual acts with those workers in Parliament House. In Parliament House. No, no names were named. And I think there's not really any evidence. But Christina Keneally, I heard, was demanding that a AFP investigation went into that. So, you know, all this kind of terrible stuff that just speaks to the kind of existence of a boys club culture and extending that by doing just horrific acts. Yeah. 
Absolutely, Nick. Absolutely. I think it's a very good point that you made that they are not unified on this issue. Because I'm sure there are some, as much as it pains me to say it, I'm sure there are some sane liberals that will treat this like a the issue that should be treated like. However, it seems like a majority or at least a significant minority of the party doesn't understand the significance of this issue. Agreed. So this morning, ScoMo as well, in giving a big press conference about all of these issues, he got a bit teary. He tried to really speak to how it was a priority of his and that he really cared. Made a terrible blunder when he hit back at a Sky News journalist by saying that the same standards about sexual assault should be applied uh, at News Corp and that Scott Morrison apparently knew of some allegation of sexual assault at News Corp that wasn't being dealt with well. And he was kind of saying like, you know, you know stop asking me to be serious about this when you're not doing it as well. Terrible thing to say at all, just generally. When you're the Prime Minister and you're doing a press conference about you know, sexual assault and issues surrounding that. And it yeah. also came out, the News Corp boss said later today that he had knows, has no idea what Scott Morrison is talking about and that that allegation essentially doesn't exist on their records. Oh, good. I don't know. I don't know if, who to believe here, News Corp or Scott Morrison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but still, holy shit. Really? You, you're going to start, you know, saying don't throw stones from glass houses when yeah. you're dealing with this issue? Yeah. Fuck me. It's just that it's like it mirrors the thing he said last week about women being thankful they're not being shot at and that they're allowed to march in women's marches. Why can't he just like apologize and say it's an issue and then like do nothing? Yeah. Surely that's the that's the political play. If you want to be political about this issue, that's what you do. You just own up, say we'll work on it, and then don't do anything. I think the the, the issue that is making this hard for ScoMo especially is that he actually does say things to that effect, but they don't resonate with the media or the public. And you know, there's evidence of that. So in that press, same press conference, he mentioned that he's going to change his position on Christian Porter, that he'll now take advice from the Solicitor General in regards to whether or not Christian Porter should remain on the front bench. And Scoma also flagged that he'd give consideration to allowing quotas for females in the Liberal Party, which is a complete reversal on that issue that... The Liberal Party has said for so long they won't have any quotas and it's been very successful in the Labour Party in terms of maintaining gender equality in that party. Now now ScoMo has completely flipped on that, but these form footnotes in those news articles. The big focus is on the blunders, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he can't stop putting his foot in his mouth, clearly. But on on the point of uh, gender quotas, first of all, do you think it will happen? I... I see them. I see him struggling so hard to convince the Nats and the right of the Liberal Party to do that. Yeah, so hard. I don't. I don't think it'll happen. So I don't think, however strongly he considers it, whatever that means, I don't think we'll see it. So does uh, maybe this is why we're not taking these points seriously because yeah. we know that the Nationals and the Liberals are not unified on this issue. And yeah, I think that's a good point, Rob. This is different from him saying, we're going to institute a gender quota. Yeah, Just saying he's thinking about something is really meaningless, isn't it? Absolutely, it's meaningless. And that's why we're focusing on these blunders because the blunders have meaning to them. These little issues of saying, we'll think about doing that. Well, you know, we'll get around to it. You know, misleading parliament and stuff. 
all that stuff, that doesn't have meaning to it. That's why we're not attaching ourselves to it. That's why the Australian public and the voters are progressively switching over to the Labor Party. News poll showed that I think they're ahead for the first time since the yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, this is making serious uh, headwind. And I'll say quickly before I think we need to talk about what we really think is, is a problem here in the Liberal Party. But I'll say quickly as well, something we should mention is that last week it came to light that there's a Facebook group for Labor, current Labor staffers and former Labor staffers, um, female staffers, who have detailed their history of sexual assault and sexual misconduct in the Labor Party. So, yo, I want to emphasize this issue. No one is really saying that this, this issue is specifically a problem in the coalition. This issue is universal across parliament and in the country as well. Yeah, but absolutely. Specifically, the coalition has problems with this re-gender quotas and female representation in parliament. And also because they're the party that's in government right now. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. I couldn't agree more. This isn't just an issue of parliament, but clearly... It's something, something is in the water in Canberra for starters, but I think more importantly, and I think that the whole point of these, these women's marches that happened last week and the week before, maybe I'm not sure. I think the, the biggest point of that wasn't just parliament. It was actually Australian culture more broadly because I think parliament just is a perfect example of the issues and the, the deep cultural issues that exist in Australia which create this patriarchy and this sexist culture that we have, I think. Yeah, structural sexism. And I think, Rob, that is the point that the coalition failed to understand and is now playing catch-up to because that is what has really caused those those changes in the opinion polls because it's quite evident now we were really debating early on, Rob, whether we thought this was going to be an issue that carried weight with voters. That is not in question now at all. Uh, apparently, there's some reporting from Andrew Proven last week from an unnamed source in the coalition saying that they initially thought it would only affect tertiary educated women. Yeah. But they have been proved vastly wrong. It is affecting women all across the country and men, you, you might think as well, but particularly women. And the coalition really badly misjudged that. And Rob, I want to ask you this. Do you think they misjudged that partially because they don't actually have enough women in their party room. Yeah, that's a great point, Nick. I'm not sure, Nick. I'm not sure if it's because of women uh, not having enough women in their party room or if it's just because the men that have seeked out power here, particularly in the Liberal Party, have an issue. But I think definitely the lack of women probably plays a significant role because I'd imagine a lot of maybe even Liberal MPs haven't un actually understood that women are people, not just objects. Yeah. There's, I mean, the, the boys' club issues are really prominent in some of those circles. Just look to Christian Porter for an example. Yeah. Perfect example, Nick. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's a good point, Rob. It's certainly not the on only issue, but it's a really good point that I heard Fran Kelly, uh, the ABC journalist, make that th if they had more women in their party room, surely they would have a better response to this because women are inherently in a better position to understand this having experienced sexual misconduct sexual assault their entire lives definitely new. being you know immersed in that terrible world and you know credit to the labor party here for actually instituting a quota and having close to 50 50 representation yes yeah, certainly new. 
I agree, 100%. I also think that as a man, when you're around women more, you understand them better. You, you can actually you know, empathize and understand the issues, Not obviously not entirely, but you can understand the issues slightly better. Yeah, and you would you just, just listen close more. Exactly, Nick. You'd listen more and thus you'd be better equipped to try and deal with these issues. 100% agree. I, th- I think yeah, that issue, that the reason why the government has misjudged that so bad, I think you know, the, the link to actually understanding and caring about women's experience there is really important. A uh, really important factor in explaining why they may have really badly misjudged that. Something as well, I think I'll touch on, Rob, before we really have to end, because yeah, <laughs> this is going to be all-encompassing, isn't it? Yeah. Does I think this really speaks to divisions in the Liberal Party and the coalition going back you know, the past decade, essentially, ever since the party has really faced difficulty between the right wing really and the since, left wing. I think since the Howard era. Yeah. And this is division. We, I think, broadly speaking, we saw it in the climate change debate the most over the last 10, 15 years, right? However, this is now clearly another issue for them. And you can clearly see there's that social divide between the smaller liberals or the, the wets, as they're called, in Liberal Party circles and those, you know, real conservative liberals or the dries, as they're known. And it seems like this party is just slowly pulling itself apart. Nick. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And I, th- I think those picket lines, which maybe were originally were, were uh, drawn and made quite strong on an issue like climate change, has now become so distinct that I think it's splitting the party room on these issues, which you know you can broadly class classify as kind of part of the the culture war or the left right divide. Well, I think it's social more social issues, yeah. Yeah, it's really hurting the Liberal Party here, um, and you can see that example. Just what we talked about: a national MP on the right, Michelle Landry, really badly mishandling and not under having really bad understanding about this issue of of sexual misconduct. And someone like Simon Birmingham, who in effect did the right thing here, a much better thing. Yeah. And you know, that's he's left, she's right. I think there's really a a breakdown of communication there. And I think Scott Morrison is not showing proper leadership, maybe because he can't, because they're so disjoint it's actually really difficult to He's also form only a got a one seat majority now as well. Yeah, so pressure's even higher, right? Yeah, definitely, Nick. I wholeheartedly agree. But we've seen these. We've seen disunity in the Liberal Party for fifteen years, right? And they've been in government for the last what ten years, basically. So while this isn't a new thing, I think this issue truly shows how this is not just over climate change. This is over all social and cultural issues. Basically, the only thing the Liberal Party's left and right wing agree on is that banks should become richer. In my opinion, <laughs> yeah, yes, because in other significant parts of economic policy, there's also huge differences. <laughs> um, and it's just, yeah, I think it really has become a plague on the Liberal Party, and it's slowly eating away at just how efficient and you know, how they can function as a as a government, let alone as an actual party. So, Nick, we've been seeing these issues since Howard, pretty much. Do you think we we see an end to these issues for the Liberal Party? I think you need you need them to be totally and utterly smashed at an election and to, to really root out some of those MPs in the far right area who've been rooted for so long. And maybe even you need some some changes to the media and the way that interacts. We've we've already talking 
we've already spoken about on this podcast how those that right-wing echo chamber in the Liberal Party really interacts strongly with elements of the right-wing media. Yeah. I think you need ch- to see changes both there, and I think that can come... Well, that's where you see media diversity in Australia, for the most part. Yeah. News Corp supports the, the drive of the Liberal Party and Sydney Morning Herald and Peter Costello at Nine Fairfax support the wets of the Liberal Party. So, you know, we have balance in our media, just... It's just within the Liberal Party, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think yeah, that is that is how that right-wing entrenched echo chamber survives. It's just strong voices in the media that aren't representative Absolutely. and they're completely out of touch with Australian values. I think it makes it impossible to actually have a party that is cohesive on any kind of unifying principles. Absolutely, Nick. Rant over. That's my TED Talk. Yeah, absolutely. In your opinion, Nick? we we got to say that opinion. now because of... We might get sued by Christian Porter. Apparently, right? Christian Porter's going nuts. Just the <laughs> defamation. And, you know, I've said quite bad things about him on Hale campus as well. So Ooh. maybe he's going to come after me, Rob. I better lawyer up, eh? <laughs> and on that note, I think we've got to end it for this week, Rob. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Do you want to go through our socials or should I? Uh, yeah, I'll let you do this one. All right. So on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, you can find us at Unrepresentative Sewell. Like us, follow us, subscribe to us, do what you like, really. On Twitter, we are at Swill Podcast, and you can follow us there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully, we return next week with less havoc, and we can talk about other things. Let's, I, I don't think I'm going to say this ever, but maybe we could not talk about Australian politics for a week. Surely. Let's have a holiday. Unrepresentative Swill on holiday. <laughs> All right. See everyone next week.